Hello, volleyball fans, and welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. My name is Dan, and you guys are in the best place to catch up with the world of men's professional volleyball. Fun idea I had here for today's episode. We are going to be doing hypothetical volleyball trades. Now, trades are a huge part of the North American sports that I follow. NBA, NHL, that kind of thing. NFL, of course, going on right now. Unfortunately, it's something that's kind of missing from professional volleyball because of the contract structures and just the way the leagues are, are laid out. There, there's not really a lot of trades that go on between the different teams. So on today's episode, we're going to look at a few hypothetical trades that could potentially benefit both teams. Of course, don't expect these to happen, but it's a fun thought exercise at least. And then also we're going to go over Champions League. That started last week. Great first week first round of Champions League and of course talk a little bit about the pro leagues mainly Italy on today's episode so I hope that sounds interesting to you guys I had a lot of fun uh, coming up with these so uh, let's start the podcast before we get into the trades a couple quick pieces of news interesting one here ron takahashi the japanese outside hitter who i've been talking about for a while he's on my top prospect video on youtube a lot of people now know him he has almost a million instagram followers after vnl this year he's actually going to go play in padova starting uh, pretty soon here which is interesting to me for a couple of reasons the major one is that Padova already has kind of a glut of outside hitters, especially young, like promising high potential outside hitters. They have Eric Lepke, Matteo Batolo, and Georgi Petrov already. And all those guys kind of 98, 99. So far, it's been mainly Lepke and Botolo playing the starting minutes. Of course, Lepke, one of the most promising, if not the most promising young Canadian outside hitter, probably like the best young high potential North American player right now in Lepke. Batolo also came onto the scene starting last year is not a very highly touted Italian prospect, but you know, he's born in the year 2000. He's even younger than Lepke, two years younger. And he played with Italy at the European championships this summer on their championship winning team. And he's looking incredible. Like for me, he might be even a better prospect than Lepke at this point. And also Yorgi Petrov, you know, starting to take a few minutes away from Lepke here. We saw a couple of matches ago, Yorgi Petrov playing more than Lepke. A Bulgarian outside hitter, 99, who also looks pretty promising. So a tough group of guys for Ron Takahashi to join here. I would say out of those four, he's I'd put him probably third on the depth chart behind Lepke and Batolo. But honestly, I haven't seen enough Petrov play to really be confident in that. Takahashi, extremely good passer and defender already. Uh, struggled a bit attacking as uh, you know we kind of expected. He's 188 or about 6'2", 6'3", so he's undersized as an outside hitter, doesn't have the kind of otherworldly bounce that Yuji Nishida and Yuki Ishikawa had, so he's a bit limited there. However, his serving, as I, as we talked about in VNL, is more advanced than I had thought, so maybe he could be in for that. I think this is more of a long-term move. I'm not sure how much they expect him to play right now. <laughs> could could be pressure from the FIVB to get a more Japanese players over. He's very popular on social media. But overall, I don't know. It's a bit of a strange move. Seems like one that could have just waited for last year. Apparently, he's still going to be studying as well, kind of like Yuki Ishikawa did when he joined Modena all those years ago, kind of doing university or, or even high school, I think, for Takahashi at the same time. 
as playing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, as a Canadian fan, I'm, I'm a bit biased here. I would be kind of pissed off if this took away minutes from Eric Lepke. But at the same time, I, I do want to see how Takahashi plays in the Super League. However, I, I kind of doubt he's ready to play full-time starter in the Super League just yet. But it will be interesting. Just kind of weird because there are other teams um, that I feel like Takahashi could have had a lot more experience on and, and gotten a lot more chance at maybe a, uh, a Toronto or every young player's favorite team, uh, Ravenna. But oh well. The other bit of news, uh, this is a men's volleyball podcast, but, you know, one of the biggest stories in women's volleyball as well, Caneliano lost their 76-game winning streak to Firenze. So one of the nuttiest records in all of sports over the last couple of years. Paolo Ganu, Joanna Volos, Robin de Cruyff, and the rest of Caneliano just absolutely tearing apart their competition in Champions League and in the Superliga. I got to see them play and talk with a lot of the players at the Super Finals in Verona last year. Very fun group of girls, very nice people, and incredibly, incredibly talented volleyball players. And Paolo Ganus is someone who, I know a lot of you don't have this opportunity, but if you if you have to see one volleyball player in person, she might be like the one person I would choose. She's absolutely insane to watch live. Last piece of news here is that the Canadian men's national team finally found their coach, Ben Josephson, the coach of Trinity Western men's volleyball will be the coach of the Canadian men's national team. My opinion, great pick. I was kind of surprised they even went out to find other people because to me, he's definitely the man for the job. I mean, the, the job he's done with Trinity Western has been absolutely incredible. In my opinion, the best volleyball or men's volleyball college team over the past five or so years. Yes, I think after this past season, probably even a better program than uh, Long Beach State. They have just been incredibly dominant. They had that ridiculous team two years ago with Eric Lepke and Jacob Kern on it. And now they have another ridiculous team this year. Of course, a lot of the advantages that he enjoyed while coaching for Trinity Western, you know, he's a really good recruiter, really nice guy. Uh, that's a huge part of coaching university, just getting the players in the gym in the first place which is not really an advantage for a national team coach. You just have to deal with the players that are given to you, basically. So we'll see if the tactics and the coaching translates to the national team. You know, he's, he's undoubtedly one of the best college coaches in the world right now for volleyball. So I think it, I've met him before. He's a very nice guy and very ta smart guy, obsessed with volleyball. Of course, you have to be at this level and uh, you know i'm hoping all the best for him i think i can speak for most canadians when i say i'm really happy with the hire and it'll be it'll be good i think to get a fresh fresh look from glenn hogue who's obviously canadian legend as well but you know he'd been with the team for so long that i think i think you know there's there, there needs to be a young coach to go with a youth movement that looks like is going to happen for canadian volleyball over the next few years <music> All right, so enough news. Let's get to the title segment of the podcast, something that I'm, I'm kind of excited to try this, but volleyball trade. So a couple rules here first. Obviously, there's no like draft picks or future contracts or anything like that in volleyball because there's so many different leagues and different rules. So basically, there's just going to be a player for player trade. Also, I'm going to do a couple cross league trades here. So it's not just going to be staying in the Italian league or staying in the Polish league. We're going to go all across the world on these ones. So let's start with my first hypothetical volleyball trade here. And that is Matt Anderson of Perugio 
for Flavio of Viva Valencia, the Brazilian middle blocker. Now, many of you, your first reaction might be, okay, Matt Anderson, way bigger name than Flavio, probably better player right now. And also, yeah, making like five times the contract. Uh, luckily, we don't need to match contracts or anything in volleyball like we would in the NBA. And here's why Matt Anderson for Flavio makes so much sense to me. Okay, so for Perugia, like we discussed at the beginning of the season in the preview podcast, Perugia obviously bringing in Gianelli has made the team unreal. I still think probably the best team in volleyball right now. However, they still could get better. I mean, they still have a big issue right now this season, which is that Ole Plotnitschke, an incredible player, one of the best outside hitters, you know, top 20-ish in the world, is sitting on their bench, coming in as a serving sub, and not really being able to play. And, you know, having a player of that caliber on the bench while you have a guy like Fabio Ricci or Roberto Russo starting for you at middle. And granted, they're, they're good players. They're not bad at all. But they're nowhere near the caliber of Ole Plotnitschke. So theory of this trade is that you give away Matt Anderson. He goes to Valencia and you bring in Flavio. Really high level Brazilian middle blocker. One of the best statistical performers in Italy right now from the middle blocker position. And then, okay, sure, you still can't start all these guys in the Italian league, but you're going to have one of the best Champions League rosters that we've ever seen. Pretty much an elite foreign player at almost every position with Gianelli at setter, Camille Reitzlicki at opposite. You have Wilfredo Leon, Ole Plotnitschke, outside hitter. And then you have Sebastian Sole and Flavio as your two South American middle blockers and Calacci at Libero. That is an unbelievable team. And I think even more so than the Italian league, Perugia really wants this Champions League title this year. And I think this move, especially when you're going up against teams like Lube Civitanova with Robert Landy Simon, I think this team or this trade would, would put them in the driver's seat when it comes to Champions League. Of course, this trade has to make sense for Viva Valencia as well. And I think for them, for sure, this would work because right now they are struggling with their main offensive engine, Yuji Nishida, being injured. So... The team is just out of sorts right now. Bringing in Matt Anderson would instantly give you one of the world's best opposites to play there, even if he's not quite as at his peak. Uh, he would still be a huge upgrade at the opposite position for them. And then when Yuji Nishida comes back from his injury, you bring Matt Anderson, you replace Mauricio Borges at the outside hitter position because Mauricio Borges hitting 28% efficiency right now in this season, not passing that well, not serving that well. Definitely not living up to his big name as a mainstay on the Brazilian national team. So then you bring in Matt Anderson beside Douglas Souza, Yuji Nishida opposite. That's, you know, that's not a terrible, terrible team in the playoffs. And right now, Valencia is on the cusp of the playoffs in the Italian league. And bringing in, I think, Matt Anderson would really do a huge job to help bridge the gap and try and get them a playoff spot, which is, you know, all they're aiming for this season. They're not aiming to win the title. That's impossible with teams like Perugia and Morena and Lube Civitanova. But even making the playoffs would be very satisf satisfying for their ownership. The main weakness of this trade, I guess, is that Valencia would have a really, really weak middle blocking rotation. It would pretty much only have Davide Candelaro and Giovanni uh, Garguillo, who, who I'm not really sure I've even seen him play this season. Candelaro is pretty solid. So maybe you can bring in another middle blocker after this or, you know, just, just see what you can do. But yeah, that would be the main issue with this trade. But I think it makes sense for both teams. Yes, Matt Anderson's the better player in this trade. But I think, you know, it, it just 
Perugia has the extra firepower. It makes sense. And, you know, okay, maybe they're a bit riskier on injuries as well, but potential upside of this trade for Perugia is huge. So let me know what you guys think of these trades. Uh, DM me on Instagram or you know, talk to me about it in our Discord group, which I, I sent out some invites to some of you. So yeah, again, message me if you want an invite to that. Pro Volleyball Discord group. Anyway, trade number two. We have a trade between a Italian team and a Polish team. So a cross-league trade this time. In this one, I have Pablo Poro and Jan Patry of Milano for Jay Blankenau and Dusan Pekovic versus Project Versava in the Polish league. So again, maybe your first reaction is, okay, Jean Patry, definitely a better player than anyone else on this list, was a starting opposite on the Olympic winning team. Okay, why, you know, we're not quite getting enough back from this. Jay Blankenau and Pekovic are good, but they're definitely not the same caliber as Jan Patry. But okay, here's, here's why this trade makes sense. Milano, as you may not know right now, is really struggling in the Italian Super League. All of their hitters, Yuki Ishikawa, Jean Patry, and Thomas Jaski, are not hitting well. Ishikawa and Patry both well below 40% efficiency, and the record reflects it. With Milano sitting at four and four, and you know th their play is even worse than that. They've had some pretty bad losses this season so far, and I think. A lot of people expected them to be higher. Pablo Paro did a great job, the young Italian setter with the U21 Italian World Championship team, but you can see he's pretty overmatched in the Italian Super League and he's struggling connecting with his hitters. So this trade, you're bringing in Canadian national team setter, Jay Blankenau, a lot more experienced, you know, very physical, big blocker, one of the best attacking setters in the world. And you're bringing him in uh, to give Milano a little more consistency here. Bring someone who's, you know, played in Champions League quite a few times. You know, world-class setter. He might not be elite. He may not be one of the best elite setters in the world, but he's certainly uh, definitely one of the better ones. And okay, you're losing jean Patriot opposite, but you have Yuri Romano, who a lot of you guys probably remember in his incredible championship game against Slovenia where he had a huge serving run. I think he hit something like nine for 10 in the final game. So he's a great option opposite. And also you could have Dusan Pekovic, the Serbian opposite who played in Skra Belchitov last year and slowly kind of losing his spot in the starting lineup of Versava anyway. So you have two good options at opposite, one more experienced and another young Italian guy with high potential. So you upgrade at setter and also you have a pretty convincing opposite two choices one of them is probably going to turn out pretty well so that's why the trade makes sense for milano now why would warsaw do this well as i discussed on the season preview podcast they have two like pretty high level but not amazing setters in angel trinidad de Hero, the spanish national team starting setter and jay blankenau the canadian mostly national team starting setter both pretty similar level but angel trinidad has mostly taking the starting role, although they do switch out quite a bit. So like most of the trades on this list, there is kind of a redundancy at the position there. Two similar level players, so why not trade one of them for something you need? And that's something that Warsaw needs is an upgraded opposite. Right now they have Pekovic and Mihal Superlak, who has been playing over Pekovic recently. And I think Jean Patry would be an upgrade over both of them. Give them a bit more firepower because that's Kind of where they've been struggling a bit is being able to score. They have Bartosz Folek and Igor Grobanli right now, but getting Jean Patry would make that a really, really elite trio of wing attackers there. So that would instantly, in my opinion, put 
Warsaw up to another level. There wouldn't be an issue with foreign player limits because Igor Grobelny counts as a Polish player. And yeah, I think I think with Jean Patry as an upgrade over at opposite, that they could be, you know, a pretty convincing Champions League contender there. So this is I think this might be my favorite trade on this list because it just makes so much sense for both teams. All right, in my third trade here, guys, the last trade I'm gonna talk about today is probably the most controversial one. <laughs> this one, you know, some of you definitely might not agree with right away, but it's Victor Politaev, the opposite on Zenit St. Petersburg for Daniele Lavia, the outside hitter on Trentino. Another cross-league trade, and I'm sure probably not a lot of you could predict this one. Of course, like the other trades on this list, Victor Politaev, definitely the better player on this trade. When healthy, I think he's a top 10 opposite in volleyball. But as Zenit St. Petersburg has experienced this season, he's just been injured all the time. He was injured for the Russian national team last summer. He's been injured for Zenit St. Petersburg this year, forcing them to play Igor Kliuka at opposite for a lot of the year. And that has basically turned Zenit St. Petersburg into one of the best teams in volleyball to struggling a lot more than they should have. Although they're doing all right in Champions League and in the Russian League. But the reason why I think this trade makes sense for them is because they're they're really not having great production out of their outside hitters right now. Fedor Voronkov, the young Russian outside hitter, and Tina are now the Slovenian outside hitter. I think Daniele Lavia, with the way he's playing on Trentino, would easily eclipse both of them. And I think especially Tina now has just been uh, awful in the Russian League so far. Hitting 40% attack percentage. I don't even want to know what his efficiency is. And also being one of the worst uh, receivers in the league. So whether that's due to old age, injuries, new environment in Russia, who knows? Uh, Tina now definitely not a starting caliber outside hitter in the Russian League or in Champions League right now. So Daniele Lavia would at least, you know, let you choose between Ernout or Voronkov to pair next to him. And yes, you have to play Igor Kluka at opposite. But I think that's, you know, something that a risk they're just going to have to be willing to take. Because I think this kind of going back and forth right now with Kluka at opposite and then outside hitter, when's Paul Taev going to come back? I think for a team in Zenit St. Petersburg position who has, you know, all these other great players like Ivan Yakovlev and Igor Kobzar and Jenny Grabenikov, I think if they have Daniele Lavia and they have this consistent lineup, you know, I think they still are a good threat to win Russia and to do some damage in Champions League. So that's why it makes sense for, or for Zenit St. Petersburg. Yes, they give up a really good player in Viktor Politaev. Yes, this probably... Uh, lowers their ceiling a little bit, but I think they just have to move on from Victor Politaev at this point. Now for Trentino, you're giving up one of your very promising young players in Daniele Lavia, a huge part of the Italian national team's run this summer at the European Championships. But just like this trade lowers Zenit St. Petersburg's ceiling, I think it increases Trentino's ceiling. They're already playing a lot better than expected. I think a lot of people expected this to be more of a development season, but given Mikaletto's play, given Kaziski's play, I think Trentino is close to being able to be a true contender in Italy and in the Champions League. However, Daniele Lavi has continued his play from the, from the European Championships, but Giulio Penale uh, has not been much of a factor in Trentino and has looked pretty out of sorts when he's played. So bringing in Viktor Politaev, to potentially replace Pinali on the opposite position. Right now, Pinali's not even playing. They're playing with three outside hitters. That's that's kind of how, how, how weak he's been. But Victor Politaev could allow him to play a more traditional lineup 
with Mikaletto and Kaziski at outside hitter, Victor Politaev at opposite. With those three wings, plus Petrashin and Lizanach, Zenger, Spertoli, you know, that for me, you know, contender in Champions League and in Italy if everyone is healthy. Of course, that is a huge if for Victor Politaev. And in the meantime, you are going to have to play Penale while he recovers. But I think Trentino, uh, given the way they're playing, are still going to be fine for the playoffs in the Italian league. And given they're not in the strongest group in Champions League, I think they'll be fine there too. So basically, you're kind of sacrificing maybe some play in the meantime because Daniele Lavia has been great for them. But in the long term, if Victor Politaev is able to come back at a level similar to how he was before, Trentino could be a dangerous team. Anyway, guys, those are my three hypothetical trades. Would love to hear if you guys have any trades that you think would work out well in volleyball as well. It's too bad we don't have them because it's it's one of my favorite things to talk about, discuss in, you know, NBA. Shout out Ben Simmons. And I do honestly think that these three trades would make sense for both teams. Next up, we're going to go over the first week of Champions League men's volleyball is in the books. There will be six rounds in the fourth round, so one of them done. The top team in the each pool plus the three best second place teams will advance to the quarterfinals. So every game is important here, guys. I'll, I'll go over some of the most important ones here. So the first match I'm going to talk about, Moscow versus Warsaw, who I already talked about. A little earlier on the hypothetical trades this was the super match of the week which if you guys don't know we'll have english commentary we'll have the always great rob sinclair and occasionally myself doing a pre-game show and also upgraded tv production so a few more camera angles a few better replays and most importantly it's always on the cv european volleyball youtube channel so you guys can join in with the discussion. Anyway, Moscow versus Warsaw. Great first super match of the week. A five-setter. Warsaw won the first two, looking like it was over convincingly. 25-20, 25-21. But then Pavel Pankov and Moscow storming back to win the next three in a row. And I say Pankov because he was the most important player in this match. An incredible six blocks plus two kills and two aces for a total of 10 points from the setter position. Before this, Pankov had 19 aces in the previous three matches. So he was on quite a tear before. And actually he was the second leading scorer on the team in those matches behind Yaroslav Poldyshnek. So crazy stuff from Mr. Pankov there. That's why I have him rated as one of the world's best setters. He was so important in their run last year. And the way he's able, I mean, he's an incredible setter. Don't get me wrong, but the way he's able to affect the game and with blocking and serving and attacking like guys like Gianelli, like Micah Christensen, is really impressive. We saw a bit of a strange starting lineup from Moscow in this one with Romanis Skulia Chavis, the opposite, uh, and Anton Semyshev starting instead of Denis Bogdan and Svetan Sokolov, who to me would be the pretty obvious starters and have been for Moscow most of this season. So that was a bit weird, but they were switched off after the first set. Maybe Moscow thought they could win without Sokolov and Bogdan, but yeah, probably a bit overconfident with that one. Big win for Moscow, though. This is going to be a competitive pool, I think, because uh, my next point is that Zirop and Kasiankara crushing a decent uh, Greenyard Masaik team, 3-0. So I think Ankara actually looks quite strong, and I think they could actually be competitive with Moscow 
and Verstov. I think in general, the Turkish men teams look stronger than they usually do. And actually, Pool B is going to be a lot more interesting than I thought. Could be very competitive to get the top spot and, and potentially the second spot as well. Pool A ended up pretty much exactly as we thought. Yastrzemski Vigil crushing Pizarczyk 3-0. Wasn't that close. And a weird game between Friedrich Schaffen and Rusilare. Like I said, going into this season in my preview podcast, uh, two teams that are you know usually in Champions League, but weaker this year than they have been in the past. And that kind of showed on Wednesday night when they played each other. Vojn Kacic, the Montenegrin outside hitter, being the best player for Friedrichshafen in this one. And then on the other side, Michael Ahi, the Dutch opposite, being the best player for them. Although Mateus Desmet was pretty good as well, getting the MVP. So when players like that are your standouts, you, you can tell is not the highest level of game. Again, one of these teams could sneak through as a second place team just given the, the weakness in the rest of the pool, but uh, hopefully not for the competitiveness of the league. Pool C, we had one of the most dominant performances of the week with Lubechiev Denova crushing Novosibirsk 3-0, and that was without Zaitsev and without Wantarina. 17 aces in three sets for Lubechiev Denova. Great stuff, including six aces from Marlon Yantarera, the Cuban outside hitter. And I think this is a kind of spark some discussion here because it's an interesting question. It's the three, you know, three probably of the best prospects in volleyball right now. Marlon Yant, Lubitschiv Danova, Alessandro Micheletto of Trentino, and Rock Mozic, the Slovenian outside hitter playing in Verona. Who is the best prospect out of those three guys? Three unbelievably athletic, you know, incredible players, all play outside hitter position. But it's a good question. Who, who? I want to hear what you guys are ranked of those three guys. I don't know. It's a tough decision. I think, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. I think for me, I would probably put Mozic one, Mikaletto two, and Yant three. But I, I could accept arguments for any direction there. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Novosibirsk, I mean, they lost three nothing, but it was mainly the reception that was the issue here. Those extra aces that they gave up, I think they actually played decently otherwise. Uh, Konstantin Abeyev, the Russian setter, actually looked really good in this one. Dmitry Lizic, the young Russian middle blocker, also looked pretty good. Uh, Drazen Lubrich looked good as well, but the outside hitters uh, not quite as strong for Novosibirsk. And it's it's kind of concerning that the top team in the Russian league got absolutely crushed 3-0 by a team at the top of the Italian league. Not, not a good look for Russia on this one, but... It's just the beginning of the season. Just one game. Can't make too many judgments here. Uh, Maribor lost 3-0 to Zaxa. Absolutely no surprises there. But important win for Lubechivtanova. That, uh, that's definitely going to be useful for them when they're battling Zaxa for the top spot. Because after the 3-0 loss, that might that might be it for Novosibirsk for making out of Pool C. As crazy as that sounds to make that judgment after one game. Pool D didn't really see too many interesting matchups in this one. Zenit St. Petersburg crushed Lisboa despite missing most of their starting lineup. Berlin crushed Novosad. Didn't get to see any Radu Parpunov, unfortunately, which would be pretty much the only reason to watch Novosad. But yeah, this, this pool is going to come down to St. Petersburg versus Berlin. But given the way that Lisboa Novosad played, it looks like there might definitely be a second place team coming from this pool as between Berlin and St. Petersburg, probably one of those teams is going to finish 4-2. and two. Pool E, Fenerbahce, 
destroyed the underhanded, undermanned Khan 3 nothing. As I said in my preview podcast, Khan, a lot of injuries throughout the season. I think they only traveled with like 10 players to this match. And unfortunately, uh, wasn't enough to really even do any anything to Fenerbahce. Cuban outside hitter Salvador Hidalgo was great in this one. Same with Yasin Luati, the MVP of the match. Uh, actually, Salvador Hidalgo joined Rob on the European Volleyball Show for Moscow versus Versalva. So check that out on the CV YouTube channel. It was a great conversation. Didn't see Musavi in this one, but I have a new prospect who I have my eyes on. Amet Turner, Tumor, the... Turkish middle blocker looked really impressive to me in this one. Born in 2001, 203 centimeters or six foot eight tall, quite bouncy and caught my eye in hitting warmups before the match and had a great uh, match in this one. Didn't have the craziest stats, four blocks and three for four hitting, but given his clear athleticism and you know pretty good eye for the ball with four blocks in this one, I think he could be a nice addition to this young Turkish core of players. I think. They were kind of missing a middle blocker, and I think uh, Emet Tumer could could be, I'm, I'm definitely saying his name wrong, but could be an addition to that group. And finally, our Thursday matchup, last night's match, Trentino versus Perugia. You know, bloodbath for Perugia, winning 3-0. Too much service pressure from the block devils, especially from, of course, our man Wilfredo Leon, who had seven aces in this one and 19 serves total on the match. Not just the seven aces, he was putting a lot of pressure on with the rest of his serves. Also hit 13 for 26, so some nice attacking as well. Trentino wasn't quite able to match that service pressure with only 63 serves and 11 errors. Only four aces in this one. Matej Kaziski really struggled, only hitting four for 18. And this is why I'm maybe a little skeptical with Trentino that their huge success this season is going to last because Kaziski, as much of a volleyball legend as he is, and he is one of the biggest legends in our sport, I mean, he's, he's very old. So, so even if he was able to play at a quite high level for most of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more of these games. And if I were Trentino, I would maybe even consider not playing him every match and saving him for the important ones because you don't want your leading outside hitter to hit 4 for 18 in important matches. Big win for Perugia, though. This puts... Uh, Trentino on the, their back foot in Pool E. I still think they're not going to have too many issues given how Fenerbahce actually struggled a little bit against Khan. And I think Pool E could be another pool that we see a second place team from. Anyway, Champions League round one, huge success. Can't wait for round two happening, not next week, but the week after. <music> So real quick pro recap here before we end the episode, guys. In Italy, the big news is that Modena is back on track, beating Perugia 3-2 in a great match, ending 17-15 in the fifth set. So it turns out, like I discussed on the last podcast, I mean, the chemistry really seems to be working together now. If you don't remember, I saw them live in the CV Cup match against Sastamala, where Namira's service finally got them back on track. And I think that's a kind of the story so far is that the serving is not quite as um, disastrous as it was at the beginning of the season in the match versus Perugia. 16 airs and six aces compared to 22 airs and seven aces for Perugia. So a better performance from Modena from the service line there. I think everyone, everything's kind of starting to look on track for Modena. I do see them as a serious threat for the title. 
Still would have them slightly behind Perugia and Lubici of Tanova even after that win. But I think the, uh, the difficult part of the season is over for them. Other than that, the Rock Mazic report, have to have it every episode, of course. He's hitting 48% efficiency. That's no longer by far the best mark in the league. He's tied with one person for uh, the best in the league now, and that person is Wilfredo Leon. So uh, unfortunately, he's really dropped down, only hitting the same percentage as the best player in volleyball. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode, guys. little short on the pro recap there, but I'll, I'll get to it in a bit more depth in the next episode. Hope you guys enjoyed those hypothetical trades. Hope you enjoyed the Champions League recap. Uh, really looking forward to the next round of that. And hope you guys enjoy the, all the volleyball this weekend.